Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, and welcome to today's meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm Eric Siegel, chair of the club's personal growth forum and your host for today. We also welcome our listening audience, and we invite everyone to visit us online at commonwealthclub.org. Our speaker today is Rich Goss, author of nine books on dating, chairman of the Society of Single Professionals, executive director of the International Association of Dating Websites, guest on hundreds of TV shows, and founder of thepartyhotline.com. He has run over 2,000 dating parties over more than 30 years, many in the Bay Area, and he met his wife by following his own advice. Exactly a year ago, Rich was here at the club to teach us secrets to finding love in the Bay Area. Rich got great reviews, so we asked him to come back this year once again on the day before Valentine's Day. In today's world, the delightful, seductive art of flirtation has been lost. So much the better for those who know its secrets. From his vantage point as organizer of thousands of dating parties, Rich has probably watched many thousands of successful and unsuccessful attempts at flirting. He's now going to share with us the distillation of what he learned about what works and what doesn't, so that we can start enjoying flirtation instead of shying away from it and then indulging in, well, too many distilled beverages. To emphasize this is about enjoying flirtation, Rich has told me that he's going to hold a flirting contest. You can compete for the title of Mr. and Mrs. San Francisco Flirt, or just sit back and watch the hilarious spectacle. But as the chair of the Personal Growth Member-Led Forum, I do invite you to jump at the opportunity to stretch yourself and gain some personal growth. Just standing up to participate will be a big win, a move towards having an enjoyable social life. So in the words of the famous philosopher Nike, just do it. And let's all have some fun learning a social skill that will help make our lives more enjoyable. It is now my pleasure to ask you to join me in welcoming to the Commonwealth Club of California, our returning speaker, Rich Goss. Do I need this here? Just talk like this? All right. I didn't realize that I was live. Let's start off by having everybody stand. Turn to your right, please. Place your hands on the shoulders of the person in front of you. Give them a free massage. (laughs) Move all the way down. Move all the way down so that you can get the people ahead of you there. The topic tonight is the art of flirting. And since it's Valentine's Eve, and uh, the parties I throw are, tend to be for heterosexual couples, so that's going to be the vantage point. We're going to tr- try to talk about how to flirt with the opposite sex. However, it is San Francisco, so if anyone is gay, all the techniques I'm going to share with you tonight work, whether you're straight or gay. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, some of you may not be looking for a romantic partner. Some of you may just want to have new friends. And you will have that opportunity tonight, because I'm just the warm-up act. After I finish talking, we're all going to go and uh, have a little party here, and it's going to be free snacks and free wine. I hope you'll all stay for the party, and I hope you'll all practice the flirting techniques I'm going to share with you tonight. And I hope that everybody leaves tonight, if not with your valentine, at least with a new friend. Because platonic relationships are just as valuable, in fact, in many ways more valuable than romantic relationships. Romantic relationships tend to have a meteoric rise and a sudden crash. (laughs) Whereas platonic relationships hopefully can last a lifetime. So I hope everybody here is open tonight to meeting new friends of both sexes and uh, both platonic and romantic partners. I hope you're all open to that. And if you do find your Valentine tonight, all for the better. The techniques I'm going to share with you tonight will work whether you have romantic intent or platonic in- uh, intent. It makes no difference. The techniques are the same. Because if you want people to like you, if you want people to become your friend and to spend time with you and maybe eventually spend the rest of their lives with you, there are certain techniques that are very easy to learn that will enable you to do that. The secret 
to getting anybody to fall in love with you is really not very difficult. I'm going to tell you how to do it, and we're going to practice it tonight. And after tonight, I have to warn you, after tonight, you're going to have the power to crush, to crush people's hearts, okay? <laughs> the, the techniques that I'm going to share with you tonight will enable you to get just about anybody to fall madly in love with you. Now, some of you may not be looking for a long-term relationship, so be very, very careful with whom you practice these techniques. These are very powerful <laughs> techniques. But truly, it is very, very easy to get people to like you. It is very, very easy to get people to want to spend more time with you. It's very, very easy to get people to fall in love with you. And in honor of Valentine's Day, if you are looking for that lifetime partner, I'm going to teach exactly how to do it and possibly meet that person tonight. How's that for pressure? <laughs> now, before we share these techniques tonight, I want to give you a warning. These techniques are very powerful. You don't, you don't want to use them on the wrong person. Because if you use them on the wrong person, you never can get rid of them. Okay? They, they will be attached to you like you're connected with superglue. So only use these techniques on people that you want to spend more time with. And the last technique I'm going to share with you tonight is the most powerful technique, and that is truly the technique you only use on a very special person because you don't want to end up spending the rest of your life with the wrong person. Okay? I kind of feel like the karate instructor. You know, the karate instructor is kind of scared because he's going to teach these these uh, powers that can enable you to, to hurt anybody, to really, to even kill somebody. And the techniques I'm going to share with you will enable you to kill somebody emotionally. So I want you to be sure, I want to be sure that you don't use these techniques on the wrong person with the wrong intent. So I'd like everybody please to raise your right arm and repeat after me. Huh? Always a smart ass in the group. All right. All right. I pledge, I pledge never, to use never to use any of the techniques, any of the techniques I, learned tonight I learned tonight to hurt another human being. Okay, you can all stay. Now, I know you all think I'm kidding you. Oh, you don't. All right, we actually have a person who believes. I like that. Thank you. But you don't know the techniques I'm going to share. I love that attitude. I'd like you to come to all of my lectures, please, <laughs> as my guest. That's a great attitude. I love that. You're doing very well already. Maybe you should be up here tonight. <laughs> all right. The art of flirting. How do you get people to like you? How do you get people to want to spend time with you? How to get people to fall in love with you? In fact, how do you get them to drop down on their knees and propose matrimony to you. Because I talk to single women especially all the time. I've been doing this for a long time. I've, as uh, Eric pointed out, I've done a, over 2,000 singles parties all over the world. And it doesn't make any difference whether I'm lecturing in Sydney, Australia, or Wellington, New Zealand, or Toronto, Canada, or anywhere in the United States. Especially the women tend to be a little bit defeatist in their attitude. And they say, you know, all the guys want is just one thing. We know what that one thing is. Well, <laughs> but the women complain that it's hard to find a man who's looking for a lasting, loving relationship. And uh, they complain that these guys will just use them and then move on to the next conquest. I want you to know that if you use the flirting techniques I'm going to share with you tonight, you will not have that problem anymore. You will not have the problem of many men leaving you for other women. Your problem will be, how do I get rid of them? So again, be very careful how you use these techniques. What was that? Uh, no, I don't know how to get rid of Yeah, just do the... No, nobody's ever asked that question before. Getting rid of people is very easy. Just stop using these techniques. All right? Basically, all the techniques can be boiled down into one technique, and that is to give people the one most precious gift that any human being can give another human being. 
And if you can learn how to give that gift, they will be yours. So if, if this is a person you're looking to sell something to, they'll buy whatever you're selling. If you're in a job interview, they'll hire you on the spot. If you're just looking for a platonic friend, that'll be easy. If you're looking for a date or something more, that'll be easy as well. Whatever you want from other people, you will get if you give them something in return. Something very, very valuable. Something without which it is impossible to be a happy, well-adjusted human being. So, all you have to do is listen to the next sentence, and then you can even leave if you want, because you've basically gotten the whole message. But if you remember this one sentence and one sentence only, you have the key to getting anybody to fall in love with you. The secret is to give them a very special gift. And some of you have already guessed, I'm sure, what that gift is. It's the gift of self-esteem. We live in a world that does everything in its power to destroy our self-esteem. And the world usually wins. If you can learn how to give other people the gift of self-esteem, they will be yours. They will give you whatever you want in return. If you want money, if you want love, if you want sex, whatever it is you want, friendship, they will give it to you if in return you give them the most precious gift of all, the gift of self-esteem. I don't know if any of you are psychologists, but if you are, I have friends who are psychologists and they say, unless a person has a chemical problem, pretty much the common denominator of everybody in therapy is low self-esteem. People are desperate for self-esteem. And if you become the person, the one person in their life who regularly gives them the gift of self-esteem, people are not stupid. They'll figure out when I'm with this person, I'm happy. When I'm with, with, not with this person, I have low self-esteem and I'm unhappy. People are smart enough to figure that out. And they will spend their time with you if in return you give them this wonderful gift of self-esteem. So all the techniques I'm going to share with you tonight are techniques for giving people the gift of self-esteem. And so it's the art of flirting and you're thinking of romantic relationships. But as I said earlier, these techniques work in the business world, in academia, these Techniques work everywhere. How many of you read the all-time bestseller by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People? If you haven't read that book, I recommend it to you. It's an easy read, and it's a classic. And, and pretty much you could say that my whole speech is stolen from Dale Carnegie, except he never taught people how to flirt. So I'm giving a little bit of a twist to his book. But his book is all about giving people this, the gift of self-esteem, and that's what flirting is all about. So what's going to happen tonight is I'm going to share these flirting techniques with you. You're all going to practice them here tonight. Then we're going to have the test, because there has to be a test, right? We're going to have a flirting contest. It's only going to be for five minutes. It's going to be lots of fun. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but I recommend you do it, because this will test whether or not you've learned anything tonight about flirting. And then we're going to have the party afterwards, free snacks, free wine, free love. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> So I'm hoping that you'll practice what I preach tonight, tonight. You know, don't think, okay, I'll practice this tomorrow. I want you all to practice it tonight because then you won't forget it. You'll remember it in the future. Okay, so all the techniques all revolve around giving the gift of self-esteem. Now, the first thing when you are going to meet a stranger, it's hard because you're afraid of them and they're afraid of you because everybody has low self-esteem, just about. I mean, there may be, are there, is there anybody in the room that has high self-esteem? We actually have a few who have high self-esteem. It's very, very rare. No, I'm serious. It's very, very rare. Most people have self, uh, low self-esteem, and they are scared to death of rejection. So meeting somebody in a public place like the party that we're going to have tonight, it's not easy because everybody is scared to death of being rejected. And ladies, just be aware that every single man in the room is afraid of being rejected by you. So if the men don't approach you, it's not because they find you unattractive. It's because they're chicken. You know, there, there are other so-called dating experts who give different advice than the advice I'm going to give you tonight. Some of the dating experts say, you know, you should never approach a man. You should never make the first move because if a man is really attracted to you, he'll make the first move. If he doesn't make the move, he's not attracted to you. So why waste your time on men who find you unattractive? It's terrible, disastrous advice. The fact of the matter is, the more that a man is attracted to you, 
the less likely he is to approach you. Let me repeat that. The more that a man is attracted to you, the less likely he is to approach you. He's going to say, you know, why would a wonderful woman like that go out with a loser like me? Now, I know this sounds a little far-fetched, but I'm not making this up. We live in a society that does everything in its power to break down our self-esteem. So most people are afraid of rejection, and that's why it's so hard to meet people. But it's not going to be hard for you anymore, because you're going to learn all the techniques of the art of flirting so that you will be able to comfortably meet the most attractive person in the room almost effortlessly. But remember, when you first meet them, you have to start off right. You start off immediately giving them the gift of self-esteem. So how do you comfortably meet a stranger of the opposite sex or of your own sex using these techniques for giving people the gift of self-esteem? I'm going to teach you technique number one, which is eye contact. And eye contact is just a euphemism. What you want to do is stare at people. <laughs> you want to stare at them for a minimum of two seconds. Okay? If you stare longer than two seconds, they call the cops. <laughs> if you stare at them less than two seconds, they're not really sure you're staring at them. You might be staring at the person behind. And people have such low self-esteem. They're, they're just shocked that anybody finds them attractive. So they don't... They don't really think you're, you're interested in them unless you literally stare at them for two seconds. And then you can look away. Now, how many women in the room learn from your mother the most disastrous device, uh, advice that all mothers give their daughters? And that advice is to play hard to get. How many of you learned that from your mothers? Only a few. I'm surprised. It is disastrous advice. If you play hard to get, you don't get. It's as simple as that. <laughs> You have to understand that most men are gutless wonders. <laughs> most men, most men who are attracted to you will never let you know that. You know, just walking down the street, if you were to walk down Market Street, you're going to pass by lots and lots of strangers, and some of them are going to be attracted to you, but you'll never know who they are because they're all too afraid of rejection. So technique number one, eye contact. You have to stare at people. Now, we're going to do a little test right now in the room. It's a 60-second test to find out how comfortable you are with this crucial technique of eye contact. Because if you can't look people in the eye comfortably, you will never be successful in flirting. It's a waste of time to even be here. So you have to learn eye contact. We're going to do a 60-second test to find out how comfortable you are with eye contact. And I hope you all pass the test, because if you don't, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. And it's not a pleasant assignment. So I hope you all take this very seriously and pass the 60-second test. What I'd like you to do is to choose a partner next to you. Male or female makes no difference. One-on-one, -on -one, no threesomes. We're not kinky tonight, okay? <laughs> choose one partner and face your partner. If you can turn the chair, you can, or if not, just turn to the side. But everybody needs a partner. Yes, dear. A stranger. Preferably a stranger. Preferably, but it's up to you. All right, if I could have your attention, please. Your attention, please. Your attention, please. You can chat afterwards during the party. Shh. You're not going to be able to talk during the 60-second test. I have to warn you. During the 60 seconds, what I want you to do is stare at the other person. I mean, really stare at them, okay? But preferably at their eyes and not at other parts, okay? But I want you to stare at them for 60 seconds. And during those 60 seconds, there are four things that you cannot do. If you do any one of these four things, you flunk, and then you have to do the homework assignment. So don't do any of these four things. Number one, you cannot talk. Number two, you cannot laugh. Number three, you cannot smile. Number three, no, this is a tough test, but it's only for 60 seconds. And number four, you cannot look away. Okay? So for 60 seconds, you stare at the person. You cannot laugh, talk, smile, or turn away. For 60 seconds. And if you can't do it for 60 seconds, you have to do the homework assignment.
Okay? So, everybody turn towards your, co- your partner. Everybody, shh. Let's have no noise. Please respect the process, even if you're not doing the test. Please don't talk. Everybody, one, two, three. How many of you thought that it was longer than 60 seconds? Raise your hand. Longer than 60 seconds. That was exactly 60 seconds. It probably felt a lot longer to you. Now, this is an an exceptional group because usually there's a lot more talking and laughing and smiling and whatever. So you guys are terrific, by the way. However, some of you flunked. And you know who you are. We're not going to ask you to embarrass yourself or anything. Raise your hand. But those of you who were not able to follow the rules for 60 seconds, which meant you did not laugh, you did not talk, you did not smile, you did not look away for, for, 30 se- for, for 60 seconds, if you flunked the test, here's your homework assignment. I want you to practice this test every day until you finally pass the test. So for some of you, maybe the next time you try this, you'll be able to do just practice with a friend or with a, your neighbor or your child. It doesn't make any difference. But practice the 60 seconds of staring at somebody without talking, laughing, looking away, smiling. Because if you can't do that for 60 seconds, you are not going to be effective in flirting. Because the laughing and the smiling and the looking away and the talking, it's just a nervous mannerism. It just means you're not comfortable with eye contact. And this is a critical skill. If you're going to be a master flirt, which we want everybody here to be, you have to master eye contact. Question over here. No, in real life, you don't do this because you end up in prison, okay? <laughs> there, there, there are laws against stalking. No, I'm, I'm saying get somebody's permission to do this, okay? Yes. The benefit of doing that is, you know, you get better with practice and you want to learn to be comfortable staring at people so that the next time you're in a social situation, a party, a dance, a a coffee shop, wherever you are, and you get involved with somebody, you don't do what most people do, which is you turn away. Because when people first think of approaching you, if somebody finds you attractive and they're thinking of approaching you, the first thing they're going to want to do is test the waters, okay? Okay. They want to dip their little toe into the water to make sure it's not too hot or too cold. And so the test is going to be with their eyes. They're going to try to look at you. And most people who are uncomfortable with eye contact, what do they do? They turn away. If you look away, it's like a slap in the face. You're saying, don't come over and talk to me. I don't find you attractive. I'm unfriendly. I'm going to be uh, mean and and destroy your self-esteem. That's the message that you give people when you look away. You're telling them, I don't like you. I don't want to meet you. You know, uh, as Eric pointed out, I throw a lot of singles parties. I throw 55 singles parties a year just here in the Bay Area. And I do them all over the Bay Area. And uh, it's funny, some of the people that walk into the room, uh, they have no eye contact with anybody. And at the end of the party, they say, oh, this is a terrible party. I didn't meet anybody. Well, did you look anybody in the eye? No, of course not. And they wonder why they don't meet anybody. It's a real simple technique, eye contact, but it's critical. You have to be comfortable staring at a stranger for 60 seconds. That's what the 60-second test is all about. And when you do that, when you are able to look somebody in the eye and you don't turn away, you're giving them a message. I like you. I find you attractive. I want to meet you. I'm a happy, friendly person. You give people the gift of self-esteem, first of all, with your eyes. Whatever works for you. (laughs) Whatever works for you. But I don't think that's much of a test. Most people don't have trouble staring at themselves. It really, it should be somebody else, preferably a stranger. Okay. All right. Technique number two. Technique number two is smile. Now, I know we didn't let you smile when we did the test, but that was just because we were testing whether you were comfortable with eye contact. But in real life, you don't stare at people. For 60 seconds, okay? Not only is it illegal, it's ineffective. So what, normally what you would do is the old one-two punch, okay? First, you stare at them for two seconds, and then you give them a big smile. Again, that smile is giving them the gift of self-esteem. You're saying, I find you attractive. I want to meet you. I'm a friendly person. I'm a happy person. I'm safe. Now, by the way, ladies, I'm sure you know that Ted Bundy had a great smile. So, so really... Really, smiling doesn't mean anything, okay? But in the flirting game, smiles are everything. If you're not able to smile in a social situation, 
you will never be successful in flirting. It will not work for you. Staring is not enough. You follow up the staring with a big smile. Now, what do you do if you don't feel like smiling? Because, you know, most people go into a big room like this, and there are all these strangers in here, and they're all scared to death. And so it's kind of hard to put a smile on your face because there are all these scary strangers in the room. And people say, you mean you want me to be phony? Exactly. <laughs> everybody, everybody turn to your neighbor and flash them the phoniest smile of your life. Do that now. Now remember... I have nothing against honesty, so if you can give them an honest smile, that's great. But if you can't, there's an old saying, fake it till you make it. You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for one of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at commonwealthclub.org. Now, back to our program. You know, sometimes people come to my parties and they're not in the best of moods. You know, maybe they just broke up recently with a loved one, or maybe they got fired from their job. Maybe they have indigestion. I don't know. But there are some people that come into my parties and they have the wrong attitude and they have the wrong look. And I can guarantee you they're not going to get their money's worth at the party because nobody's going to want to meet them. Nobody's going to want to talk to them, and nobody's going to buy them a drink. Nobody's going to ask them to dance. They're going to be wasting their time. And if you come to my parties, you'll see people. They'll walk into a room. Usually they walk in late, which is a mistake. You should be early. But they walk in late, and this is how they walk into the room. Who wants to date that? (laughs) Nobody. People are very superficial, okay? You know that. People are very superficial. They judge a book by its cover. If you have a big smile on your face, they find you attractive and friendly. They want to meet you. If you have a frown on your face, who wants to be with that loser? I don't know if you've ever uh, tried a little technique here, sub-technique, I guess we could call it. Sometime that you feel in a bad mood, depressed, whatever, something bad happened or whatever, and you're out in a social situation, I want you to force yourself to smile. And I don't know if it'll work for you, but it works for me. If sometimes I'm not in the best of moods, I walk into a social situation, I force myself to smile, and eventually it becomes a genuine smile. You know, there's even a psychologist who did a study who claims that when you smile, you release endorphins into your brain that make you happy. I don't know if it's true or not. I just know it works for me. I feel a little bit depressed, a little bit unhappy, a little bit unfriendly. I put a phony smile on my face, and eventually it becomes a genuine smile, and I feel happier. Try it sometime and see if it works for you. But smiling is critical. If you do not smile, nobody is going to want to meet you at a party. Absolutely nobody. Nobody's going to want to go on a date with you. And for sure, they're not going to want to spend the rest of their lives with a person who doesn't smile. So fake it till you make it. But smiling is absolutely mandatory. Okay, technique number three. In a perfect world, all you would have to do is the easy techniques. Technique number one, stare at people, eye contact. Technique number two, smile. It'd be great if that's all you had to do and you could meet any stranger and be off to the races. But we don't live in that world. We live in a world where most people have low self-esteem. Some people, in fact, probably most people, their self-esteem is so low, you can stare at them all night, you can smile at them all night, They're not coming over. If they think there's even one chance in a thousand that you're going to reject them, they will not come over and talk to you, no matter how attractive they find you to be. They're not coming over. So for these people, and these are the majority of the population, technique number one, eye contact, technique number two, smiling, is not enough. Now you have to do the emergency technique. You know, In case of emergency, you break the glass, right? Technique number three for meeting a stranger, you have to say something. In other words, if, if they're not willing to start the conversation with you, you have to be willing to start the conversation with them. And again, this has nothing to do with being a man or a woman. It's irrelevant. If you find somebody attractive and you want to meet them and staring at them and smiling at them is not working, in an emergency, you break the glass, you have to say something. It's otherwise known... It's otherwise known as an opening line, okay? And people always say, oh, I hate these opening lines. They're so phony. They're so sleazy. 
Who cares? <laughs> every, every conversation has to start somewhere. And people are always asking me, Rich, what's the best opening line, the one guaranteed I won't be rejected? Unfortunately, there's no such thing. But I'll tell you the one opening line that never works, the non-existent one. You have to say something, anything, to get the ball rolling, to get the conversation going. So I want everybody right now to come up with an emergency opening line. Okay, this is a line you can use in any situation. You can use it tonight at the party at the Commonwealth Club. You can use it in a bar. You can use it in the soccer field. You can use it in school or at work or walking down the street. I want everybody to have an emergency opening line. Okay, do you all have an emergency opening line? You only use it if you can't think of anything more clever. Okay, because some people who don't have the emergency opening line. They spend all their time thinking, gee, what can I say to this wonderful person that they won't reject me? And they're thinking of different opening lines. No, that won't work. No, that won't work. And then when you finally come up with a good opening line, somebody else beats you to the punch. Because if you find somebody attractive, I guarantee you, there are other people in the room that are attracted to the same person you are. Okay? So the person who's last ends up with nothing. Okay? So you have to strike when the iron is hot. Okay? So if you've got a good emergency opening line, if you can't think of anything better you've got that emergency opening line. So I want everybody, there's a homework assignment now. When you go home tonight, I want you to write down an emergency opening line and I want you to put it in your wallet or purse or pocket or whatever and you never, it's like the American Express card, you never leave home without it, okay? You've got your emergency opening line. So wherever you go, if you can't think of something clever, just say the emergency opening line. Now, since I'm a dating expert and I've written nine books on dating, they all think that I have the best opening lines and I do. So... <laughs> So I'm going to share with you, in my experience, the best opening lines. And you're free to use this, any one of these as your emergency opening line. There's no copyright on emergency opening lines. My favorite all-time opening line, it always works for me, hi, I'm rich. <laughs> and the women always go for that one. I don't know why. Really, you can use that if you want. If your name isn't rich, I don't know. But in all seriousness, all opening lines work some of the time. There are some that are better than others, but they all work. Now, my all-time favorite opening line for other people to use, not for me. I'll tell you a true story. Many years ago, I lived in San Jose, and I was in one of these big uh, apartment complexes. There were like 200 apartments, so a lot of people, a lot of single people there. And there was a good friend of mine that I met there. And uh, we used to go out to the bars every once in a while on Saturday nights, and we used to go to, a, to the most notorious bar in San Jose. It's not there anymore, but you may have heard of it if you're old enough. It's called Cowtown. Anybody remember Cowtown? No. You've been there, all right. <laughs> anyway, it's not, not there anymore, but it's this huge country and western nightclub. And uh, one night, my buddy Pat and I walked into Cowtown. And uh, we sat down, and we looked across the room, and we saw this gorgeous woman sitting at the bar. I mean, this woman was gorgeous. This woman was not a 10. She was an 11. And every man in that room wanted her. And one by one, they would walk up to her at the bar and try to say something, you know, use an opening line. And they use all kinds of opening lines. Can I buy you a drink? Or, you know, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place? You know, all the crazy opening lines. And no matter who it was, whether it was a tall guy or short guy, good-looking guy, bad-looking guy, well-dressed guy, she shot them all down. She was not interested in any of them. And, you know, usually under these circumstances, because by the way, ladies, the guys are watching. And if a guy watches you reject another guy, the guy's going to say, that was close. That was me. That could have been me. I was about to go out up to that woman and have my self-image completely destroyed. So usually guys are watching. And so they see a woman, a beautiful woman like that, turn down two or three guys. They say, well, that's it. She's stuck up. She's not... She's not going to be nice. You're not, you don't have any chance to meet this woman. She is impossible. She's inaccessible. So, and everybody starts laughing, you know, because people are watching this. It's like a little soap opera going on in the singles bar. Everybody's laughing. So Pat turns to me and he says, Rich, I guess that leaves us. And I said, what? I'm not going up there. That was a long time ago, and I was just a, a beginner, beginning flirt like most of the people in the room. There was not a chance in hell that I would go up to a woman that beautiful who had already turned down all the men in the room and had walked up to her. But Pat says, well, 
I guess that leaves me. Now, let me describe Pat to you. He was not a guy who believed in hygiene, okay? So <laughs> he, um, he hadn't taken a shower that day. He hadn't shaved. He was wearing a tank top. You know, it was summertime, San Jose, so he's wearing a tank top, and, she, and he had the cut-off shorts, you know, the ones that were the threads hanging down. He did not look good. So he walks over to her. Two seconds later, they're out on the dance floor. So every jaw in that room dropped because people realize this must be the greatest opening line of all time. And as I said before, opening lines are free. There's no copyright. You're free. If you want this to be your emergency opening line, he comes back after dancing for a couple of songs. And I say, Pat, what did you say to that woman? He said, I just asked, would you dance with an ugly man? (laughs) And she didn't know what to say. So before she knew it, she was out on the dance floor with me. So if you dare, you can use that opening line. How many of you have been to Los Angeles? A lot of you, okay. Well, I I hope you try to flirt when you're in Los Angeles. A lot of very attractive people down there to flirt with. But it's difficult to meet people in L.A., you know, because people tend to be a little stuck up. You know, all the the fashion models and the actresses and whatever. It's hard to meet people in L.A. So one month, L.A. Magazine did a special Valentine's issue in February. What they did was they went through the streets of L.A. and they asked people, what's the best opening line? Now, this is the best opening line in a big city like Los Angeles. I don't know if it'll work in whatever town you live in. But in Los Angeles, the number one opening line, hi. That's it. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to be original. You don't have to be funny. All you have to do is say hi. So... We're laughing about the emergency opening line, but in all seriousness, you have to have a plan. When you're in a social situation, you can't be thinking, gee, what am I going to say to this guy? Or what am I going to say to this woman? You have to already have it planned. So carry your emergency opening line with you wherever you go, in your purse or your wallet, and you won't have any trouble meeting people. Any questions about the first three techniques? Eye contact, smiling, opening line. Yes? Ideally, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, typically what you do is you catch somebody's eye, then you give them the smile, and then you know, after three or four hours of waiting for them to come over, <laughs> finally you go over to them and you say something. You use your emergency opening line. I mean, ideally, I mean, it'd be wonderful if all you had to do was stare at people for two seconds, give them a smile, they come over, buy you a drink, you know, buy you dinner afterwards. I mean, that'd be great, huh? But, you know, life doesn't work that way usually. Any other questions? Well, ho- hopefully you'll feel comfortable with the opening line as you're using it. But if it doesn't feel comfortable or it's not working for you, then use a different opening line. You know, there's an infinite number of opening lines. You just go on the internet, go on to Google. Because <laughs> Google knows everything. Just go on to Google and type opening lines, and there'll be dozens of them for you if you want to borrow, borrow one that will work better for you. Okay? Anybody else have a question? Yes. Anybody want to share a great opening line? That's a good question. Yes. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. That's right. Uh, Eric has the microphone. What was the highlight of your day was the, uh, was the opening line. Anybody else have an opening line? Over there. I like your shirt. Yes, I like your shirt. I, I guess it's not going to work too well. <laughs> he practiced uh, being on Oprah, so he's, he goes around with a microphone. Yes, over there. That's an all-time opening line. That, uh, People wouldn't be using it all the time unless it works at least some of the time. Anybody else? Yeah, so what was it now? Uh, which was the last one now? Again? Say it again. Haven't we met before? Okay. Anybody else have a question or a comment? Nobody. Yes. <laughs> that, that's it? I thought you had really Googled opening. Okay. All right. Yeah, so that one was, I Googled opening lines, and this is what it told me to say. Yes. I like that one. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Those are the first three techniques for giving the gift of self-esteem and succeeding in the art of flirting. Yes. Well, you know, unfortunately, most people wait too long because, as I said, if this is a woman that you find attractive, chances are every other man in the room wants her. So it's all timing. Some other guy gets into her before you do and starts talking to her and chatting her up, and then you may never get to talk to her again. 
And that's when you have to use a different technique. This has nothing to do with the art of flirting, but there's a different technique. Sometimes you have to break people up. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Sometimes you have to, sometimes there'll be a particular woman in the room that you really want to meet. And some guy will beat you to the punch because you were too slow. Because, you know, you're trying to get your wallet out and find your emergency opening line. Meantime, (laughs) some guy beats you to the punch and then he won't let her go. Because, you know, that's the way guys are. They're very possessive. He will not let her go. In fact, at my parties, you know, I do all these dance parties all the time. And I will notice attractive women who are being monopolized by somebody. And I'll go over and ask them to dance. And I'll take them out and dance. And they'll say, oh, thank you so much. I could not get rid of that guy. (laughs) So sometimes you have to break couples up. I'll tell you a true story. This is an old girlfriend of mine many, many years ago. We were having a talk, and I can't remember how we got into it. But I said, you know, what was it about me that attracted you to me? And she says, I'll tell you what I liked, liked about you, Rich. You know, we met at a singles party, like the one I do, but it was somebody else was running the party. And she says, you know what I liked about you, Rich? She says, I was talking to this guy, and you came over and banged him away and took over. <laughs> she said she loved that. So, you know, the caveman approach, it does work. <laughs> Speaking of, let me tell you the story of how I met my wife. I met my wife, Debbie, at one of my singles parties 20 years ago, almost. We were at the Mark Hopkins Hotel. And in fact, we have a big party coming up across the street from Mark Hopkins at the Fairmont, the most famous hotel in San Francisco, March 9th, the Winter Ball. Before I forget, there's a little flyer you can pick up at the table outside that has all the upcoming parties. They're all over the Bay Area, so wherever you live, there's a party for singles right near you. And um, anyway, how did I meet my wife? We were at the Mark Hopkins Hotel, one of my singles parties, saw an attractive woman, and instead of asking her to dance, I reached out, took her hand, and pulled her on the dance floor. So she could either dance with me or suffer a dislocated shoulder. (laughs) I call this the caveman technique, okay? And it worked. Now, it might not have worked with some women, but it worked with her. But the point I want to make is, I didn't want to take a chance on being rejected, because if I ask her to dance, she may say yes, she may say no. But if I just grab her and drag her on the dance floor, there's no possibility of being rejected. (laughs) Anyway, you're free. What was that? possibility of being slapped. You know, you have to take chances in the war for love, huh? Okay. How do you get rid of people is the question, right? No, seriously. How do you, very important. Because women, I mean, you already know what I'm about to say. Guys latch onto you like a leech, okay? It's very, very hard to get rid of these guys. And the more of a loser the guy is, the more he, he attaches himself. Because, you know, you're the first woman who's actually been willing to talk to him in the past three or four years. So <laughs> once, once one of these leeches gets on to you, you cannot get rid of him. Am I speaking the truth? Okay. So I'm not making this up. You know, you just have to be assertive. You have to learn to get rid of people. For, I always tell women, if you're at a party and you're sitting at a party and some guy sits down next to you without being invited, say, please don't sit there. Why not? Because I'm here to meet people, and if you sit here, they'll think, they'll, they'll think that we're a couple, and I want to have the freedom to meet more than one person. You know, just be honest. The honesty is always the best policy, I think. But if that doesn't work for you, you can lie. I don't care. Okay? I'm very pragmatic. Whatever works for you, I believe in it. I want you to get your needs met. I want you to meet someone special, if that's indeed what you want. But yeah, if, if you waste your time with Mr. Wrong, it means you don't have the time to meet Mr. Right at the party. So you never let a man monopolize your time. So at some point you have to say, hey, it was really nice talking to you, Mr. Leach. (laughs) And move on. But yeah, you have to get rid of people. And there's some women, literally, who will let a man uh, dominate her entire evening. She'll spend two or three hours with a guy, and she's not even attracted to him. And then, of course, she gives him the phony phone number at the end, right? You you know that trick. I mean, why do that? Why, why give the phony phone number out? Why waste two or three hours of your time and his time? I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a woman in there who's right for the leech. And by you monopolizing his time for two hours, you're preventing him from meeting someone who would be appropriate for him. So yeah, you need to get rid of these guys. You need to get rid of them very, very quickly. Do not let Mr. Wrong monopolize your time because he will prevent you from meeting Mr. Right. A friend of a friend in his opening line is do you want to have sex? And he got slapped a lot, but he also got a lot of sex. Yes, he did. <laughs> but that's a famous story, of course. She's ma- making this up. But no, it is a famous story about the guy in Market Street. He keeps on getting slapped. And they asked him, why do you keep on getting slapped? And he, we, we won't go into detail. But supposedly he had a very good love life. 
He played the numbers game. Anyway, let's move on to a new technique. Okay, we did the first three, three techniques. All right. Technique number four is what I call the Oprah technique. Okay? Now remember, all the techniques are the same. You give people the gift of self-esteem. Technique number four is the Oprah technique. You give people the gift of self-esteem and you draw them out by asking them questions. You ask them primarily questions about the one topic in the world of which they are the foremost authority and also happens to be their favorite topic, and that is themselves. Now, you know Oprah's the queen of the talk show, and she's done thousands of interviews, and I don't care how scintillating these people may be for 15 minutes with Oprah, in real life, a lot of these people are duds. But she has the gift of drawing people out. She gives people the gift of self-esteem because she's genuinely interested in them. She asks them questions about them. She doesn't talk about herself. Oprah never tells you anything about herself. Well, every once in a while she'll tell you about how she's trying to lose weight. But uh, really what Oprah's interested in doing is talking about you and asking questions about you. And she's genuinely interested and listens to the answers. What do you think happens to people when the most famous woman in the world is giving her undivided attention to you. What do you think happens to their self-esteem? It skyrockets. And this is not a difficult technique. All you have to do is pretend you're Oprah, ask them questions about themselves. You know, this is not brain surgery. This is the easiest thing in the world. All the techniques for flirting are all easy, easy techniques. Except for at the very end, I'm going to teach you a technique that is not as easy. All right. So technique number four, the Oprah technique. Ask people questions about themselves. All right. Yes. So is, it, is it taboo in these questions? Is it taboo in the questions to ask someone what they do for a living? Because I was taught never ask a man what he does for a living because suddenly you're like this gold digger and you're going to drop him like a lead potato if he's, you know, mm -hmm. whatever that you don't want him to be. Excellent question. Um, if it's real important for you to know what he does, then ask him. But yes, it is a turnoff. Because, you know, just as women don't want to be sex objects, men don't want to be success objects. So, you know, when a woman asks a man, what do you do for a living? She really wants to know, what do you do for a living? When a man asks a woman, what do you do for a living? Usually he's just making conversation. But when a woman asks, when a woman asks what do you do for a living? She's not just making conversation. She's, you know, interviewing him for, you know, will he be able to make the mortgage payment? So yeah, if, if, if you ask a man what he does for a living, it is going to be a turnoff for a lot of guys. So it's up to you if you want to ask that question. But I would recommend asking other questions other than that. Hi, I have a comment. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because I always ask and it's never like, what do you do for a living? It's usually what do you do? And then they start talking about their job and then you like naturally organically move into that conversation. So um, and that's about I a 20 minute answer you get, right? Yeah. So it's not unusual. Um, I, I thought that was really weird that I heard that, but, um, just from my perspective, it's not taboo at all. So, okay. and a lot of whatever works that. for you, that's what you should do. I'm a very pragmatic guy. You don't have to do it my way as long as you're successful. I want everybody to be successful. Okay. So that was technique number four, the Oprah technique. Technique number five. Now, this is a controversial technique. You don't have to follow my advice, but then don't blame me if you're still single 20 years from now, okay? Technique number five, a little controversial. Agree with people. Let me repeat that. Agree with people. Again, remember, most people have low self-esteem. When you disagree with something they say, they're not going to say to themselves, well, gee, I guess this person just has a different opinion. They're going to say, this person thinks I'm stupid. People take it very, very personally when you disagree with them, especially when you first meet somebody. You never disagree with somebody when you first meet somebody. Whatever they say, there are two responses. One of them, you can agree with what they said, or B, keep your mouth shut, okay? Those are your two options, because if you disagree with somebody, you've lost the flirting battle right off the bat. People do not want to be with people that don't agree with them. People, I don't care how stupid these people are, how ignorant these people are, they believe whatever they believe, okay? And by the way, they've done studies on this. The stupider somebody is, the more ignorant somebody is, the more convinced they are that they're right, okay? So if you disagree with them on anything, that's it. You've lost them. Yes. You want to get rid of people. Thank you. Disagree with something. They say, I like screwdrivers. I love to drink a screw. Oh, no, that's a terrible drink. You should never have it. All right. 
Yes. Well, I disagree with your delivery on that. Okay. Because why not just ask, well, why do you think that way? That's even better. I like that. That's even better. You don't have to, you can still disagree with somebody, but it's your delivery of how you disagree with them. Yes. I think that's excellent. Thank you. Anyway, agree with people or keep your mouth shut. Those are your choices. Now, after you get, after you get to know them, after they're madly in love with you, after you've got the nice ring on your finger, then you can give them the bad news that you think a few of their ideas are a little bit ignorant, okay? But you can't do that early in a relationship. You'll lose them. You'll scare people off. People can't handle anybody disagreeing with them. Yes, sir? Going back to point number four, the Oprah technique, can you yeah. talk about, um, in the context of first meeting someone, what are some of the effective questions one would ask um, that would like get another person to start talking more about themselves and you get to actually know them without coming across as an FBI interviewer or like... Well, there's speaking. that risk, of course. In fact, you know, I'm a really good proponent of the Oprah technique. And anytime I would meet a woman, I would ask her a million questions. In fact, one time a woman said, what are you, an FBI agent? So, so yeah, th- there's that danger. But I think you're, you're better off taking that chance. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions. But ask them any questions. You know, ask, I mean, a lot of times, for example, women especially, I find, like it if you notice something they're wearing and you ask about that. You know, where did you buy that? Or did you make it yourself? Or, gee, I really like your earrings. You know, what, what, you know, what kind of stone is that? Or, or whatever. Those are real good things to talk about with somebody. And, uh, yes? Yeah, I, I agree that it's, um, it's easy to make people like you if you always always agree with them but uh how do you convey your personality if that's all you do well as you get to know them you can start disagreeing with them okay (laughs) just don't do it too soon okay because relationships are very fragile in the beginning okay so in the beginning you agree with everything they say and then gradually you let them know that they're idiots and that you don't agree with anything that they say but you, you don't let them know that right away okay you have to be careful when you start disagreeing with people. But yeah, no, you don't want, obviously you can't be agreeing with them for the next 50 years. That would not be a very good relationship. Yes, sir. All right. Let's move on to the final rule because we're actually over time and we want to have time for the party. Everybody wants to have lots of wine and snacks. You're all going to stay for the party, right? How many people are going to stay for the party? Raise your hands. Remember, it's free. Free wine, free snacks, free women. What what, what else do you want? All right. Okay, before, before we do that, we have to do the flirting contest. But before the flirting co- contest, I want to share with you the final flirting technique. Now, I just, I can't warn you enough. This technique is powerful. You don't use this on the wrong person. You will not be able to ever get rid of them. So only when you're really, really sure this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Then you use this technique. And once you use this technique, that's it. They cannot leave. Okay. The final flirting technique of the evening, the most powerful of them all, is compliment the hell out of them. Compliment the hell out of them. Remember, the key to someone's heart is self-esteem. If you give them the gift of self-esteem, they will fall in love with you. The best, most powerful way to get somebody to fall in love with you is to compliment them. Okay? The more you compliment people, the better. Okay? Because people don't get complimented enough. They get criticized all the time. They very rarely get complimented. Watch a mother or father with their child. Nine out of ten times, don't do this, don't do that, bad boy, bad girl. 90% of the time, we are criticized. 10% of the time, at best, we are complimented. People are starving for compliments. And for that reason, both types of compliments work. There are two types of compliments. There are sincere compliments, and there are insincere compliments. They both... (laughs) They both work, okay? I just want you to know, okay? People are desperate to be complimented. They'll take whatever they can get. So yes, flattery will get you everywhere. Flattery is a very, very successful flirting technique for getting people to fall in love. The more you flatter people, the more they will, more quickly they will fall in love with you. However, however, it's a risky strategy because if you flatter people, sooner or later, unless they're really stupid, they're going to figure out that you're not sincere. People are not that stupid. You can only lay it on so much, but after a while, they're going to figure out, this is BS. This isn't really true. And then, what do you think happens to their self-esteem when they finally conclude that all those compliments you've been giving them are BS? What do you think happens to their self-esteem? It goes into the dumper. And guess what happens to your relationship? It goes into the dumper. 
So if you want to flatter people, yes, flattery does work, and especially with stupid people. But if, if you're, I'm, I'm very serious, but if you're with a, a reasonably intelligent person, they should be able to figure out pretty well, pretty quickly, that you're BSing them, that you're flattering them, and then you've lost everything. The relationship will not survive. That's why I always say it's always better to make sincere compliments. The problem with sincere compliments is you have to work at it. You have to actually observe these people and ask them questions and uh, notice the good qualities that they have. It's a lot easier just make things up. You know what I like about you is you're so smart and you're so friendly and you, know, and you go on and on and on. You know, it's easy to make things up. BSing is the easiest thing in the world. But to actually observe somebody and notice something really good about them, that takes work, but that's more effective. So I recommend honest compliments, but I have to be honest with you, Flirt, uh, flattery also works usually. Now, the other thing you want to do with your compliments is the more specific they are, the better. What's your name? Anne. All right, if I were to walk up to, to Anne and say, you know what I like about you, Anne? I think you're really nice. What does that do? <laughs> what does that do to Anne's self-esteem? Does it skyrocket? I don't think so. Nice, it's just too vague. But if I said, you know what I like about you, Anne, is you have a great smile, you're very friendly, you're very self-confident, you seem to be the kind of person anybody could be comfortable with. Is that true, by the way? Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> See how easy it is to make sincere compliments. But that's very, very specific, and then it's more believable. The more specific you are, it's more work, but the more specific you are, the more effective the compliment is, the more likely they are to fall in love with you. Now... One last example. Again, don't do this on just anybody. Only with the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. If you really want to get somebody to fall in love with you and just have that, that, that super glue bond that will never break apart, compliment them in an area where they have never been complimented before, but they're secretly desperate to hear. Let me repeat that. Compliment this person in an area that they have never been complimented before, but they're desperate to hear. Classic example, the most uh, beautiful woman in the history of the world, the most sexiest woman of all time. You know who I'm talking about. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe, if, if you look at the studies, the studies have been done about this, you'll find that Marilyn Monroe, all-time number one on the hit parade in, as far as women who are attractive to men. Marilyn Monroe, the most popular woman in the history of the world, according to men. What was, it, what was it about Marilyn Monroe that made her so attractive to men? And you know what it was? She played the role of the dumb blonde. Now, Marilyn Monroe was not dumb. She was actually a very intelligent woman, but she played the role of the dumb blonde because she realized that most men have low self-esteem. And men, not all men, there are exceptions, I'm sure, in this room, but all the men out there, they all want to feel a little superior to the woman they're with. So Marilyn Monroe was smart enough to know that if she played the role of the dumb blonde, every man in the world would feel smarter than, than she is and would, it would feel superior. That was the secret to her success because she was not only physically beautiful, because there are a lot of beautiful women in the world, millions of them that were as beautiful as Marilyn Monroe, but what Marilyn Monroe did, playing that role of the dumb blonde, she raised the self-esteem of all the men. They all said, well, I'm smarter than that woman. That was her secret to success. Anyway, I say all this is just a little buildup. The story about Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe once fell in love with a man who was not very attractive. He was kind of a geeky guy, not attractive in the slightest. He was a famous man, and uh, she married him. His name was Arthur Miller, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. And at one point, Marilyn turned to Arthur, and she says, Arthur, why are you so attracted to me? He says, the thing that attracts me most about you, Marilyn, is your mind. You're really intelligent. And she believed it because he was a very intelligent man and obviously wouldn't feel comfortable being with somebody stupid. But, you know, nobody had ever complimented Marilyn Monroe before and said, you have a great mind. I mean, all the men that she'd ever dated, you know, they were blinded by her beauty. They didn't realize she even had a mind. They didn't care. <laughs> Arthur Miller, Arthur Miller was the first man who observed that she was a very intelligent woman. And that was the one area that she wanted to be complimented. It's like with me. I give myself as an example. I'm a public speaker. I've been doing this, you know, from nine years old. I'm accustomed to being up on a stage before a hundred or more people. So I'm, I'm a natural public speaker. And people often compliment me and say, gee, that was a great speech. You're a great speaker, blah, blah, blah. And I like hearing that. Everybody likes compliments. But it's not a biggie with me because I've heard it over and over again. If a woman wants to score points with me, she says, Rich, you've got a cute ass. <laughs> See? 
I don't hear that very often. <laughs> compliment people in an area where they are not normally complimented, but where they secretly want to be complimented. And they will be yours. Okay. We're going to do the uh, flirting contest. Before we do that, uh, we're going to crown, at the end of the flirting contest, we're going to crown Mr. and Ms. San Francisco Flirt. I have to warn you, the first Ms. San Francisco Flirt wound up being on Oprah. Oprah flew her to Chicago. She had her on the studio audience. She had me on the stage as the flirting expert, but she had a Miss San Francisco flirt. Secretly was in the studio audience. They had a microphone on her, and uh, she was flirting with all the guys, and they didn't realize they were flirting with Miss San Francisco flirt. <laughs> so warning, I can't promise you you'll be on Oprah, but you know, it could happen if you win the contest. But anyway, the, what I can promise you, you'll have your choice of one of my two books. This is an older book. It's called You Can Hurry Love. For those of you in a hurry, anybody in a hurry to find love? Nobody in a hurry, so you're willing to wait 10, 20 years. It's okay. <laughs> if you'd like to find love quickly, let's say in the next six months, you need this book. You can hurry love. Or my latest book, it's a controversial topic, but don't get scared off by the title. The title is The Donald Trump Syndrome. <laughs> Why women choose the wrong men to love. Notice I'm wearing my Trump tie. Okay. <laughs> Why women choose the wrong men to love is not a book on politics. So I don't care if you're liberal or conservative, Democrat, Republican, it makes no difference. We don't get much into politics. This is about how women tend to be attracted to men like Donald Trump. And the whole theme of the book is you should be looking for a man who is the diametrical opposite of Donald Trump. And you have to read the book if you to understand why I say that. So those are the two books. They will be available at the table on the outside. And you'll also be able to pick up one of my calendars of my upcoming parties in the Bay Area. Okay, we're going to do the flirting contest right now. And uh, do you mind passing some of these out? And do you mind passing some of these out? And do you mind passing some of these out? Thank you. And let's do it quickly, please. Because we got, we're, this is cutting into our party time, and we don't want to cut too much into the party time. What's that? Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a five-minute, uh, in, in a moment, as soon as we get these passed out. If you, how many people did not bring a pen? Shame on you. How are you going to write down people's emails and phone numbers if you didn't bring a pen? Big mistake. I do have pens you can pick up on the table outside next to my books if you need a pen. Okay, does everybody have one that needs one? Okay, do we have a couple of more over here? Right over here. Okay, you have five minutes. What I want you to do is have, uh, write down the first name and home telephone number of as many members of the opposite sex in the room as possible. <laughs> The hardest thing, as you know, in, in, in a social situation with strangers, the hardest thing is to get somebody's home telephone number. So if somebody asks, oh, okay, can, can you pass some over there? Okay. So the hardest thing to do is to get the home telephone number. So make people work for it. Don't feel obligated to give up. If you don't want to give up your phone number, don't do it. Make them work for it. If they're a good enough flirt and they deserve to be Mr. or Ms. San Francisco flirt, you can give them your home telephone number. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Okay, we have five minutes. Whoever gets the most first names and home telephone numbers wins a free copy of one of my books, starting now. Well, the, the problem is that most people go to these singles parties are over 40. Okay. So uh, now if you're attracted to cougars, then you do very well. <laughs> I, I, I wrote a book on cougars, by the way, and I recommend to women to always go for the younger man rather than the older man. Okay. So, so, so my women know about this. So if you're interested in cougars, it'd be great. We get, a, we get a few women in their 20s and 30s, but the vast majority are at least 40s. So I have to warn you about that. Yeah. Otherwise, you're best off doing what guys your age usually do. You know, Tinder, you know, online, bars, yeah. if you're still in school yeah. or at work. I mean, those are the ways that are most popular. If you want to come to my parties, yeah, we, we, we do get younger people there. We get some cuties every once in a while. But the okay. You're cheating. Everybody take your seat, please. And we will crown Mr. and Ms. San Francisco Flirt. Everybody take a seat, please. No more phone numbers. That's cheating. You can get more phone numbers during the party. I, I know. I, I, I've got to end this now. I, I, I know. Well, I'm happy to answer your question later. I can't do it now. Okay. Everybody take a seat. Please. We want to get this party going. Everybody take a seat.
All right. You don't want to piss him off. Okay. All right. Let's find out who Mr. and Ms. San Francisco Flirt are. How many women in the room have at least five home telephone numbers of men in the room? At least five. Oh, at least six. At least six. Seven. Eight. Nine. How many do you have? Nine? Anybody? Uh, Eleven. Any, anybody with more than 11? All right, come on up. All right. She does indeed have 11 phone numbers here. I hope they're legit. All right. May we have, first of all, what's your name? Emily. 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 And where do you live? Santa Clara. Santa Clara. Okay, because we're doing the party in Milpitas, the speed Yay. dating party, Saturday night at the Crown Plaza Hotel. I'll be there. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> all right. And what's the secret to your success? Why are you the top flirt in San Francisco? Um, because I'm Eric's friend. I guess you're Eric's friend. Yeah. <laughs> so Eric gave you private lessons and, and, and g- gave you a, a, a little bit of uh, pr- preliminary information about how to flirt. Okay. All right. Round of applause, please. Yeah. This flirt, which one do you want? Which one? <laughs> oh, hurry. There you go. Thank All you right. so much. Now, gentlemen, how many men have at least five phone numbers of the opposite sex? Six. Seven. Seven? Any more than seven? All right, come on up. Just so that you know, it's harder for the men than for the women, because a lot of women don't feel safe giving their home telephone number to a stranger. So for you to get seven telephone numbers, assuming they're the correct numbers, there's always that question there. But um, what's the secret to your success? First of all, what's your name? Uh, I'm Dan. Dan? All right, where do you live? San Francisco. Oh, all right. And what's the secret to you winning the flirting contest? The secret is being efficient and passing around the paper. <laughs> there you go. All right. You, you can win this one or you can win the other one is out on the table. If you guys want to buy my books, they're out there. Can we have a round of applause, please, for our host of this evening, Eric Siegel. Congratulations again to Mr. San Francisco Flirt. Now, I hope you will all stay for the party. Free snacks, free wine, free women. You can't beat it. Free men, even better. (laughs) Our gratitude to Rich Goss for being with us today. We're also grateful to the audience here, as well as to those listening to the recording. And now this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California commemorating its 116th year of enlightened discussion is adjourned.